we have different tools. For example, one tool is just a gender analysis to check your entity, to check your energy community, for example, how are the power balances, how is the mix in the boards, in the management board, in the supervisory board. Do you think to address maybe um, young women and um, different groups of the society, maybe people with migration background? That's one important tool. Welcome to City Stories, the podcast by Energy Cities. I'm Miriam Eisenman and I'm your host. This podcast is for those who want to learn how cities go about with the energy transition, how they take action with courage and creativity. More and more people build relationships with each other as a community to drive energy projects. For this episode, we wanted to know what it needs to spark such initiatives, how we can bring more women into it and what all this has to do with taking risks. That is why we invited Katharina Habersbrunner, who is head of sustainable energy and climate solutions at the nonprofit network WECF, Women Engage for a Common Future. Katharina has an impressive record of community energy experience and she has many very personal stories to tell about how diverse energy democracy is, both in Europe and in Africa. Welcome to City Stories, Katarina. It's fantastic to have you with us. Thank you very much for inviting me and hello, everybody. First, can you give a brief overview of what WECF is and what it's trying to achieve? Yes, of course. So WCF, Women Engage for a Common Future, it's an international NGO and we are working overall on sustainable societies, mainly in the sectors of energy and climate, um, water and sanitation, chemical and health and overall gender equality. So we do a, in all the projects we are implementing, we strive for a sustainable development and sustainable societies. And here we include uh, different um, SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals, like uh, gender equality, like uh, renewable energy, like um, climate protection, resilient cities. So it's really a very uh, sustainable and holistic approach. And we do it in nearly all countries in the global south and uh, north and in, in the global south. Very interesting. Thanks, Katarina. We will also put the link to your organization in the show notes afterwards. Um, when we read the news these days, we're constantly reminded that times are dull. We're facing a new energy crisis as we speak, and there is a social crisis coming with it. Uh, and still, <clears throat> I wanted to start this interview on a more positive note. And I uh, would like to ask you, what is really good news that you recently came across and that you'd love to share with listeners to start with? Yes, that's great. And I really have to share a very exciting story to tell and to share with you. So last week, the last week of June, I was in Greece, in Thessaloniki, with partners from Albania, from Greece, Belgium, Germany. We have organized a three days uh, summer school on energy communities in the Balkan countries and in Greece. And what we have seen is uh, extremely high interest um, of the participants. More than 150 people from more than 25 countries and experienced this very high engagement to push energy communities in their countries, in the region. And the concept of energy communities is pretty new in these uh, countries. But we see many, many actors um, from the environmental and energy sector, from municipalities, who will bring forward this democratic and inspiring concept. 
Wow, that's that's encouraging to hear that all this is happening uh, there. And um, yeah, there will be interesting projects coming out of it, I guess. And there are already lots of interesting projects in, in this field. You, you may talk about some of them uh, a bit later. How did you, uh, Katarina, start actually working in community energy? What was it that took you there? Yeah, well, I have been um, always interested in renewable energy and climate protection, having been engaged voluntarily at organizations like Friends of the Earth with anti-nuclear campaigns and pro-renewable energy programs. And I will also have been working as a risk manager and mathematician at a reinsurance company in the sustainability sector. And for me, citizen energy and energy communities is anyhow a super innovative concept and with a very high potential for an accelerated um, energy transition, what we urgently, urgently need, what we know. And energy communities for me combine uh, participation, responsibility, decentralized and democratic energy supply, which is cheaper and faster than centralized concepts, local added value, available funding for citizens. And so I experienced in the course of the time more and more the big advantages, uh, but also the barriers. And so it was also a, a high motivation so to be more engaged in this field and development. You've already been talking about what you do at the WECF, uh, and I know you're very much advocating for making the energy transition more gender just. Um, what does this mean for energy communities? How would that look like uh, concretely, uh, a gender just energy community? Very relevant and great question. Thank you. Yeah, a gender just community is aware about the fact that the energy sector is still very male dominated with a very high representation of men in all positions. So in decision making positions and also that we have unjust power relations um, and that we are still in a kind of a bubble. So we do not address all citizens, all people. And I mean gender here in a very broad sense. And because it's very important to address the whole society, the people of all gender, so male, female, diverse, with different backgrounds, in different income, education, to have much more diversity in the energy sector. And it's also very important to understand that we we miss a lot of opportunities when not including all the people because with more people and more women, we have more power, we have more engagement, we have more skills. And it's also important to have a just transition because we won't face with, um, with an accelerated energy transition if we don't have the whole society um, backing the, the idea and having the acceptance of the whole energy trans transition. So I think, and we know from a lot of studies that mixed teams, so with more women, they are more successful, more sustainable. Um, and so really to take into account this um, concept of gender justice, I think that's Uh, that's one uh, one point, and uh, you talked about the tools. And so here we have um, uh, different tools. For example, one tool is just a gender analysis to check your entity, to check your, your energy community, for example. How are the power balances? How is the mix in the boards, in the management board, in the supervisory board? Do you think to address maybe... Um, young women and um, different groups of the society, maybe people with my migration background. That's one important tool. 
and other tools are, for example, targets. Just to set a target in your statute that you mm -hmm. would like to have a gender balance in all in all your boards, for example, in all sense of membership. All the, Or you think about a more family-friendly organization of all meetings or just to think about it, how could it be done? Mm -hmm. Another tool is, for example, gender trainings. And gender training means for all. It's And here we see, for example, at, um, uh, at uh, uh, events on gender and energy that um, it, we always we have a high representation of women. So it's very important also to... Uh, to discuss uh, men about the arguments for gender trust communities. What are the what are the advantages? Because it's not only a women's issue; it's an issue for the whole society and for more justice. Hmm. And of course, a very important tool is uh, women's empowerment. So mentoring, networking, explicit trainings for women, and the last tool is really gender trust communication. And here we mm. see that with little effort, we can have a big impact. Just have a look at some energy communities or energy utility companies on their web pages. And it's, it's very true. We obvious. only see pictures, yeah, with men uh, putting PV pictures. panels on a roof. Yes. And I think here we can uh, we can have a big uh, impact with uh, some small tools and activities just to have it in mind and just to be aware about it. Well, the, these are great, um, great advices, Katarina. Thanks. Um, and can you think of one or even several like inspiring women that you met and that Well, through your through your uh, past experience in cooperative projects that you've been working with, and can you tell us what difference it make made to them to be part of such a cooperative energy initiative? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's really what I love to to meet very inspiring people and of course also women uh, with a very clear vision for a decentralized renewable energy system. And so I have met um, women with a clear vision in Uganda, for example, in Albania, in Georgia. I have met women, for example, in Albania and Greece um, working in within an energy community with municipalities to face energy poverty. So also mm -hmm. an issue we face anyhow in Europe, also in Germany. And now it's increasing because of the rising energy prices. And here there are some, for example, in Albania, there is a woman and she is really, she has a great concept, very inspiring, very convincing um, great way of communicating with municipalities as a capability to to deal with different um, organizations because you have a different mindset in municipalities, in energy communities, in big energy companies. So here, that's great. And I think what what it have made with the women is so to increase the self-efficacy so to mm -hmm. especially what i think is with energy communities they allow and they provide an institutional framework on local level where women have a say where women are visible where women um, are engaged and uh, have play a very important role And just to have such an organization and to be a board member or to have responsibility, I think that's really a very important empowerment and positive development. This is what we experience. And of course, it can be upscaled. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be very important to bring those stories and those people far more in the 
on on the front line and make them visible because I think they could also inspire others to, to organize similar projects. Um, so I might uh, try to to meet uh, this lady in in Albania. Yeah, um, this is what we are just uh, to to add here. Said this is what we are doing with WCF is a uh, gender just climate solutions. It's an award we organize annually in the frame of the climate conferences. So it's uh, so we invite all organizations all over the world where we see women's led, female led initiatives to face uh, global warming, and here we see each year great initiatives, great models, um, but they are not visible, and it's a great opportunity so to to become more visible at conferences like the COPs. I think that's uh, super important. The, the conferences on the one side and, and even, I mean, in, in general media, I think it's important that people see who who is behind those initiatives and that many women are in the end, or more and more women at least. And that leads me also to, to my next question, because, um, uh, I mean, you've been working in the field for quite some time now. How did you see this evolve? What did you notice uh, over time? Yeah, well, I think uh, overall it's um, it's a it's a positive development. Anyhow, that the the concept of energy communities are more visible, and overall, I think it's a big success to have, for example, the concept also in the renewable energy directive. Just to really to so uh, the commitment of the European Commission to say those the citizens are at the heart of the energy transition and to provide concepts like energy communities, like energy sharing, like collective uh, self-consumption. So to bring this concept more to the forefront, I think that's very positive. Next, po a positive point is really that we the development of the of the engaged people. So we see more women, we see younger people, we see a higher diversity, but still it needs to be done a lot. I think it's still a long way, but we see increasing awareness. Um, more uh, the topic of gender and energy communities of um, energy transition. So it's it's on a on a higher position of the priority list. That's very positive. So I think there are many positive um, issues in the development. But overall, of course, we see that there are powers and um, and forces not pushing the concept of energy communities and it's still our centralized fossil energy sector which mm -hmm. is very powerful has a lot of financial sources and is still able to do very successful um, lobbying and I think that that's a, a big issue and here at the edge of a uh, decentralized fossil energy supply to a decentralized um, renewable energy system. I think here we need all our power and skills and people so to make the, the potential, the advantages visible. Because for us, it's obvious. So we have plenty of renewable energy. We have technologies like photovoltaic and wind turbines. We Uh, so we have a lot of solutions and I think that is really so the big challenge we have to face with. And the, yeah, the challenge remains and especially since yesterday when uh, the European Parliament voted for including uh, gas and nuclear in the EU taxonomy um, and kind of labeling it uh, as a green and sustainable energy. So we're still a bit far, at least uh, in, in institutional terms, still a bit far from getting uh, fully to the renewable and clean energy transition. And one thing that I think is quite interesting, I would lo love to ask you a question um, 
as you said, you studied and you worked in the risk like management sector. Um, I think that's that's closely related to the energy question, actually. And because even before convincing people of the specific form of community energy, there are still many people that we need to convince of the advantages of uh, renewables overall. And the energy transition and the choices we make are all about trade-offs in the end. I mean, it's about which technology we favor um, means which like which level of risk are we ready to take? There are pros and cons for for each uh, of the energy sources. So quite often it's nuclear or fossil fuels versus renewables. So how do you approach that question and what risk do you think we should take in society? Well, that's a very difficult question. As risk manager and as mathematicians, for me, it's, of course, it's very clear. So we see yeah. arguments pro-renewable energy. Uh, so we have abundant um, renewable energy. I think that's pretty clear. At the moment, we see it's a question of time and speed. So where people think so we need maybe nuclear energy. But for, for my end, of course, it's stupid because having nuclear power plants and being um Uh, when they will start in with operating and producing energy, so we will it will be not in five years or in ten years. So and we need a solution in ten years. But I agree with you that we have to improve our communication. We have to take the people where they are. We have to we have to tell stories. We have we need a narrative. And here also the energy community concept uh, shows a lot of advantages because uh, what I have experienced and what we know from studies is that people being a member of an energy community and being closer to the topic of, of producing energy, they are more interested in knowing more about what is one kilowatt hour, how much energy do I need for my household, for my family, for example. And I think That's a concept to bring the abstract issue of energy provision closer to the people. So it's really, it's also to show the social innovation of energy communities. I think it's not only a technological transformation, it's also a, a social transformation with a big advantage for the whole society. Yeah, a good, very good point. And I think even beyond communication, it's probably really also showing people that Uh, in the end, it's all about shared ownership and that they can really have a say um, in, in community energy compared to some other traditional forms of, uh, yeah, like the, the, the conventional uh, energy providers that can make a huge difference, especially for people who are rather at the lower end of, of society. Important just to mention, for example, this concept where the so-called tenant uh, electricity model, where people living in big, big condominiums and residential, so they are able to participate in uh, own produced solar energy on the roof. I think that are great concepts we already have. Yeah. So we have to make them less complex and to scale it up in all our yeah. countries. Exactly. And when we talk about countries, I mean, you've um, you've mentioned this meeting in Thessaloniki last week where there were people, 150 people from uh, lots of different uh, places. Um, can you kind of compare a bit the, the experiences that you've had yourself or that you've seen between countries? 
Yeah, that's very important so to compare because we can learn a lot from each other, I think. So I have a German energy cooperative in mind being active since more than 10 years. They have very experienced actors in the boards, a good gender balance, for example, a very clear business models with uh, photovoltaic production and a, a great and close cooperation with municipalities. I think that's uh, great. And so to Do you want, want to mention their name? Well, it's a, it's a, small, it's a cooperative where all, I am also active in. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. a, right. very, it's Bürger Energie Genossenschaft Bang. Uh -huh. And, um, yeah, and I think we have many of them. And I think it's a, a, the success factors are the, our Renewable Energy Act in Germany. It's skilled actors, very engaged actors, and the cooperation with other partners like municipalities. I think that is, that's very important. And comparing countries, so we really see that a federal state like Germany, so I'm not always happy about our federal state in terms of education system or Corona policy, but I think for a decentralized energy uh, approach, we see a lot of uh, advantages. That's very important. And we, mm -hmm. like, as I have mentioned, the legal framework with the Renewable Energy Act and also the citizens, so they have the intellectual and financial power to invest in. That's also very important. And in countries like uh, in the Balkan region, so Albania, Serbia, Bosnia-Herzegovina, they are, they have more um, a centralized system. And also the, the energy system is still super centralized um, with a high power. Of, of these uh, actors and here you need much more convincing power you need much more time and effort to change the system and to present the advantages because you need to change habits and customs of the people so because it, everything was organized by the government and so the, it's the people that uh, the citizens that do not feel I have any option to change something to, to go for action for example and I think here that's That's very important. But the good news and the great news is that you have many actors and they have the power, they have the self-efficacy to, to change something. I think that was the super positive outcome of the summer school in Thessaloniki. And just one example from Uganda, so to include also Africa, where we have completely different um, conditions. So a um, lot of corruption, very difficult to plan longer than three years because that's also so in Europe we are we don't have any problems to have to, pr to plan a project for 20 years for example so for three years so we uh, we were able to set up um, in cooperation with local uh, organizations and stakeholders and energy communities with many women in rural areas and so to empower them to produce their own energy for example with photovoltaic or with producing briquettes and that was also a very big success and mainly due to very inspired and mobilized women being convinced that they can make the change. That's really uh, important to have already one leader and particularly motivated person who can mobilize others. I want to close now by asking a final question, which is, what is the one big thing that we're still missing for community energy to happen in, in many more places? You've been talking about very positive initiatives, but I think there are still places where there are not so many or there, there might be citizens who would like to start something or even cities, but um, who still have a hard time doing so. So what would you want to tell Um, let's say policymakers, we were, because we were talking about the, the, 
the political framework as well. What is it that they should do to make community energy a um, mainstream model, let's say? Well, I think the first point is really to acknowledge community energy as a super important and powerful tool to go ahead with a successful energy transition. So it's not only LNG terminals, <laughs> for example, but so uh, community energy and the concept so it can be implemented very quickly. It's successful. It's democratic. It uh, um, it allows participation. So I think there are many, many advantages. I think the, it's the acknowledgement of the policymakers. That's very important. And I think it's just as one exercise to implement the Renewable Energy Directive of the European Commission, so, so to, to make it possible on national level, that's very important. And here we, we, we see already good examples in Austria. They are very much advanced um, with the transposition of the Renewable Energy Directive. So I think that's... Uh, Uh, so to make it short is really to show the very clear political will that we want to have uh, community energy as much as possible. Uh, we will take this point and maybe we can try to share it with the policymakers that we meet at Energy Cities and through the Scale 203050 project. So um, we're at the end of the interview. Katarina, thanks so much for taking the time um, for sitting down with me and unpacking really this very fascinating energy community topic. I really enjoyed this conversation and um, yeah, I learned a lot, including just how important it is to include the gender question in um, citizen or local energy initiatives from the start. Uh, I really liked your idea also of, of including a, a target in, in the statutes. And we must be aware of, of the unbalance of power um, that is still very systemic in the energy sector. But um, yeah, you have been so positive and we see that that many solutions are there to unlock community energy through better communication, uh, more decentralized political structures, the inclusion of gender and um, like low income people or, or migrants. So thanks, Katarina, for making us travel to energy communities um, in, in many parts of this world, from Uganda to Albania to Germany. I hope listeners enjoyed this and thanks again for taking the time. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to exchange the experience on energy communities and all the best for you and the project. Thanks a lot. Bye, Katarina. This episode was produced with support from Scale 203050. SCALE is an EU project which makes collaboration happen to get many more energy communities up and running. The people behind SCALE 203050 work on a methodology and toolkit for citizens, cities and policymakers. If you too want to see more local energy communities across Europe, check out the toolkit and explore all of the project's resources at the website scale2030.eu, scale with two C like in communities, sccale2030.50.eu. And SCALE is actually funded by the EU's Horizon 2020 program. Thanks for tuning in.